0: More excitement from Intellivision, Night Stalker, Buzz Bombers, and Mission X. You control the World War II fighter bomber on a special, justifying mission. Your aim, to wipe out enemy ships, tanks, trains, bridges, to get the highest score. Go Fly go during, go during the day or attempt a tip to daring night mission, but watch out for the go enemy! Go left! Good luck, old boy. Mission X, go. only for Intellivision, from Mattel Electronics.
1: Welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 282. Thanks for listening. I feel like when I said uh, take a bite out of a, a Atari 2600 game, I should have put a little record scratch in there and said, and occasionally an Intellivision game, because of course, this week, Intellivision Month 2021 rolls on. The juggernaut that is the console that dared to try to knock Atari off the throne, stomps forth through this podcast. We've got two more weeks, including this week of Intellivision Month. Uh, we got a goodie this week. It's Night Stalker. I don't know if it's that great. We'll get into that later. Uh, I just thought the title uh, intrigued me because I imagine Night Stalker is this creepy movie, and then they made a kid's video game out of it? But we'll get into that later. Right now, we need to do A Henry Ankle Report. If you remember last week, I told you that I'd had a very strange weekend, including attending uh, a quad con, which was not strange. But the strange part was then, after the quad con, going to the walk-in clinic to find out that my kid may have broken his ankle. Since then, we have learned that, yes, it is technically a fracture in the ankle, but it is um, more like a cartilage injury between the growth plates. So it's not as bad as it could be. He is still in a boot, but the doctor is expecting within a few weeks it will probably have healed. He's still not supposed to obviously run and jump and all that. He wears the boot. He doesn't have to use the crutches if he doesn't need to, which thrilled the hell out of him because he's in middle school. Well, he's in sixth grade, which here... Uh, as of this year, the school year wasn't middle school anymore, still elementary school. And, you know, 11, 12, 13-year-old kids are assholes, basically, uh, a lot of the time. So he, uh, he was getting some, some heat at school for using the crutches, even though he had a boot. So he, uh, he's happy to not have to use the crutches if he doesn't need to, which magically he doesn't anymore. Uh, he was happy to use them, or content at least to use them until the doctor said, we don't have to. And then suddenly he's like, oh, I don't need crutches. But he does actually seem to get around fine. The next argument is going to be the end of the school year, school year being delayed into June this year because of COVID, the end of the year pool party. Does he get to go to that or not? So we'll be dealing with that next. Any of you who have kids know that uh, parenting is really just moving from one high level negotiation to another, a little bit like trying to bargain, you know, choose your battles, figure out which hills you want to die on and so forth. Those of you who don't have kids, man, you're missing out on all that fun. So, anyway, the point I was making in this little update is that uh, Henry's doing all right. He's uh, He should be fine in the next few weeks. And that's great, because a Henry that can't run around is a frustrating Henry indeed. This has been the Henry Ankle Report.
0: Question! What does Jason say? Lots of stuff. Yeah. or maybe a little stop say.
1: Dear Atari bites. Uh, for the record, this is my first time reading this, so buckle up, I don't even know what's going to happen here. First, I wish Henry a speedy recovery and all the best. Thank you, Jason. Second, I will agree that Milton was an amazing piece of technology for its time. And I also agree that it's less visually appealing than the Merlin sequel, but this is overshadowed that the sequel uh, had an awful unlockable game. The concept was rare. This concept was rare back in those days. I know we talked about Merlin. I know we talked about the Merlin sequel. I'm having trouble remembering what Milton is. This may be because I'm old and my memory is terrible, but uh, I'm not sure what we're referring there to, unless you're talking about the Simon game. Was that a Milton Bradley thing? I'm not sure. Uh, so, sorry about that, Jason. I don't recall that specifically. Jason continues, My only complaint is that Bug was not really involved in story time and only made the briefest of appearances And Jason Says Stuff. Well, you know, Bug has gotten a better agent, and uh, she just demands too much money. So, we're, we're in negotiations for appearances in future episodes. Jason suggests, let's keep her front and center, and perhaps you could add a second jangler to her collar. Oh, I get it. Uh, you're capitalizing her, because I reminded you last week that you keep calling my dog a he when in fact he's a she. I don't know if you're in touch with her her legal representation, but uh, let's let's uh, let's keep quiet on the put her front and center stuff until after her contract is negotiated. Jason says perhaps the show is becoming like Hee Haw, where it is essentially a combination of various talents and jangling dogs and extremely unfunny stunts. You're you're bringing up uh, sort of post traumatic. Uh, memories for me pretty much every Sunday of my life as a little kid we would sit down to Sunday dinner with Hee Haw on the TV so Roy Clark and that other guy uh, Buck Owens and uh, various corny cheesy sketches with like guys with names like Junior Samples and lots of women in short skirts and low cut shirts would do cornball humor um I'm describing this all to you guys. If you haven't seen it, it's uh, a remarkable bit of television. Uh, all the while standing in a uh, a plastic cornfield on a soundstage with, I guess, a live audience. I'm not sure. It may have been just been recorded. And then they would have, you know, sort of the uh, old-timey popular country western, like not like modern country music, like like uh, you know traditional country western music would come out and sing and stuff so if you know that sort of thing that's what it was um i was not but that was what would be on tv at dinner time on Sundays. so uh yeah so i totally know what you're talking about i'm a little worried about the comparisons to this show but you know some people like that sort of thing i guess jason says this evolution really demonstrates the metamorphosis that atari Bytes has experienced when you say that i picture uh, uh kafka The metamorphosis uh, The guy turning into the cockroach I think it was a cockroach I don't know if that's necessarily the comparison that I want Jason suggests Perhaps it's time to rename the show I suggest Wild Bill Pepper's Love Shack Or Mr. B's Lung Butter Shack Or Bill and Friends Or finally William's Flame Throwing Super Show And please, let's add some puppets Yes Jason, because nothing works better on an audio podcast than puppets. I'm using puppets right now, as a matter of fact. Hi, how are you doing? Hey, wasn't that amazing? I could be the next Jim Henson. Man, name is Jim Henson. We need a Jim Henson, like a really good Jim Henson biopic. It's about time. There have been some good, uh, you know, biography books. We need a really good biopic, Somebody get to work on that. All right, and as always, Jason has provided us with a story. Uh, Tied to this week's game, which, of course, is Night Stalker. Jason's story is titled Night Stalking by Jason Edward Schiffman. This is a cold read, again, so bear with me. I stare at the world of shadows that fills the horizon outside of my bars. They speak a language that I do not understand. I can only communicate with them in a series of screams, gestures, and sometimes even pleasant tones to convey happiness or contentment. Who are my captors? Who am I? What is my crime that I sit on a padded floor with strange objects that seem like they were placed there to either torment me or perhaps just to keep me confused? The long night had finally arrived. I had devoured my strange goulash, and my captors mockingly say, Nighty night! Whatever, fool, I don't plan on staying. The creepy fluorescent above finally went dark, and the outer door of my cell had been closed. I am the night stalker, and navigating the darkness is my world, while you depend on light and reason. My hands clutch the bars, and with the skill of a cat, I quickly ascend the bars and plunk down on the other side. Freedom has arrived. A monitor is trained on my enclosure. My captors are quickly made aware of my escape. A silent alarm must have been set off. But come at me, bro. I'm ready to die with my boots on. The outer door is flung open. I am startled. Giant hands grab me. The Night Stalker is back where he started. My captor laughs and says, "'Bad baby!' places a binky in my mouth I look up these aren't my captors they are my parents They place a stuffed bear in my arms and I quickly fall asleep "Ah, I see what you did there Jason very nice the biters he says have been lucky these days Atari bites has become amazing and guarantee that people have been enjoying the rocket ship to the greatest limits of podcasting super fire once again feel the burn Use a high-level sunscreen. Should be fine, everybody. So, don't worry. This is Ben.
0: Question! What does Jason say? He says stuff! What does Jason say? Lots of stuff! What does Jason say? Or maybe a little stuff! What does Jason say? He says stuff! Jason says stuff on AtariBytes exclusive!
1: I forgot to mention that Jason also uh, posted a link on the Atari Bytes uh, page to his YouTube channel, where he uh, did a nice little video giving a tour of his gaming setup. Uh, it's impressive. He has, I was struck by the precision, by the careful placement of all of his various consoles. Uh, not a speck of dust, not, uh, nothing at less than a right angle very very careful placement of everything it was quite impressive so if you're interested in seeing that i will try to post a link but i mean you know me i will probably forget so i think if you look up
0: hi this is jason known famously as jason from jason says stuff found exclusively on the atari bikes podcast uh today i'm gonna invite you into my office Okay, you're here. You're in my office now, which is basically my late.
1: So it's a video titled, It's Jason from Jason Says Stuff on Atari Bytes. Welcome to my office. Uh, So sorry, I called it the game room. I guess it's not. It's the office. Although, Jason, I gotta be honest, I'm guessing not a whole lot of work gets done there. So that's cool. Carl also commented that uh, great show this week. I'm sure Jason and Carl... Meat or adding good flavor to the show. When I started listening first to your podcast, you had Flat Earth or Rocket Man, uh, that'd be Mike Hughes, uh, rest in peace, as the beginning of your show. Yeah, so I did. I had uh, Mike Earth, I would, I would do a segment every week talking about what he was up to uh, for no particular reason. It had nothing to do with the podcast, it just kind of interested me. He uh, Listeners to the show will know, or followers of the Flat Earth community will know, that uh, he unfortunately passed away um, in a, a, a horrible accident. Uh, with uh, trying to launch a rocket uh, his ultimate goal was to get a rocket high enough in, up into the atmosphere to get pictures that theoretically might show that the earth was flat And like I said the, this whole thing just sort of sort of fascinated me so I would do a little segment on that at the beginning of each episode and now we've got Jason an improvement me that's for you guys to decide. Uh, I just put the stuff out there right I I, I make the sausage. You guys uh, you guys decide if it's tasty or not. Carl posted a question. I don't know if it was for this week or last week, honestly, but I don't think I read it last week. Last week's show was a great break from game reviews. Uh, maybe this is old then. Talking about the episode where I posed the question, is Atari too old to be pop culture? Carl observes that it must be difficult to keep up the grind, bringing out new stuff all the time. How long does the prep take to decide what's in each episode? Cheers, Carl. I responded to him on Facebook, but if you didn't see it, uh, the answer to the question is that the grind doesn't really stop. By the time you guys hear an episode, I'm already working on the next episode. Uh, Actually, frankly, a lot of times I've already got the stuff for the next episode. I'm recording it, may have already recorded it. It's just sort of a, a nonstop train, a moving train of entertainment. Thanks, as always, for listening, Carl. Well, let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is Night Stalker from Intel Electronics, 1982. I mentioned last week that I wondered if this was a game based on a creepy made-for-TV movie that I remembered from when I was a kid. And I've realized that, uh, well, it's not, and we'll get into that in a minute, but the movie I was thinking of, actually, and I can't remember the name of it, But it was a a movie that was on late night on CBS. This was back in the this was in the 80s, before they had uh, Letterman or Colbert or any sort of late night talk show up against the Tonight Show. Um, For a while, I think in the later 80s they tried a Pat Sajak talk show that didn't go anywhere. But in the earlier 80s, uh, after the local news, they would run a lot of times they would run repeats other CBS shows like Magnum PI or Simon and Simon that kind of stuff. And I liked watching those. But they would also do made for TV movies. And one of them was this movie about this semi-truck that would uh, run people off the highway and kill them. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. And for some reason, that's the movie I was thinking of when I was thinking of Night Stalker. Although that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, Night Stalker the video game. So, Night Stalker the video game, as my daughter observed when she walked into the room while I was playing it, is kind of a Halloween game. Uh, The object of the game is described thusly. Your man is trapped in the maze. Robots relentlessly track him down. Keep him away from the spiders and bats. Watch out for robot fire. React quickly. The key to survival is to destroy them before they get the man. Rack up as many points as you can. It's you against them to the end. So, and this is a shooter in a maze. Um, Your guys running around this blue and black maze. You have to pick up a gun. You have to shoot the robots. Shoot the bats. Shoot the spiders. That is basically the game. Your keypad overlay has a disc to... Well, the overlay doesn't have the disc. The the controller has the disc. That's how you move your guy through the maze. The overlay has four buttons, up, down, left, and right, uh, that look like uh, little pictures of guns. That's how you shoot your gun. Uh, Shoot up, shoot down, shoot left, shoot right. Those are basically the controls. The side buttons on the controller don't do anything. The only other buttons that you push on the controller keypad are the three different difficulty settings. One, two, and three. Because that's how numbers work. To begin the game you press reset obviously. You see the Night Stalker title screen. Now choose your speed. One is slowest, uh, two is sort of the middle and three is the highest speed that they offer you. I played first, uh, of course, just starting it out uh, on the setting number one it was like walking through molasses. That's how slow it moved. Honestly I could could start a game, play it a little bit, literally walk away from the screen, put the controller down, walk away, do something else and come back, and nothing would have happened. That's how slow it moved. Uh, So then I tried the middle setting. I feel a little bit like Goldilocks with the bowls of porridge. The easiest setting was too hot, or in this case too cold. The middle setting was too... It was faster, but it still was pretty slow. The highest setting is a taste a little bit more like you would expect if you walked up to an arcade cabinet and started playing a a video game. But even that was not outrageously fast. Um, Although when you look at my score in the field report, you'll think, geez, the game doesn't move that fast, why'd you do so bad, Bill? Uh, Although in my defense, uh, there were glitches that happened in real time in the game. Uh, I was also talking to you people and I was trying to monitor what was going on with the recording on my computer. So, you know, back off. Um. So, here's how you play. The game begins immediately with the man inside the center bunker. His loaded weapon is lying in the maze and is flashing. The man must leave the bunker and land on the weapon to pick it up. So, yeah, that's the deal. Uh, you have this gun. only has six bullets in it at a time, although it automatically... Uh, another gun appear, appears on the screen as soon as your six bullets are used up. But... One of the little challenges is that the gun appears in a different place on, in the maze each time. And you're defenseless until you get to it. The man can run and shoot, but he cannot do both at once. whilst you can only fire off a shot when the man is standing still, and he has a weapon. It's sort of repetitive there, but that's how it's written in the manual. There's only one safe place for the man to hide, and that's inside the bunker, in the center of the maze. When he's inside, spiders and bats cannot bite him, and the robot's bullets will not harm him until the black robot appears. I did not get far enough in this game to see the black robot. We'll get to him in a minute. You start off with six men. Each man can run and shoot, but he cannot do both at once, which we already know. After one man is shot, the next one appears inside the bunker, and the number of men you have left shows on the screen. Each time you rack up about 10,000 points, that's what it says, about 10,000 points, you get another man. When your last man is downed by the robot fire, the game is over. There is no ultimate objection. uh, Objection. There is no ultimate object to the game. You're not The man's main defense is the creature uh, in the creature-infested maze is his loaded weapon. Each w- w- uh, weapon holds six shots and will drop bats, spiders, and robots in their tracks. You can only shoot when the man is standing still. They really hammer home this idea that you can only shoot when you're standing still. Tri- uh, time your shots carefully. Once you fire, you cannot shoot again until that bullet disappears from the screen, which takes forever. Uh, the only benefit of that is you can kill multiple things with one shot. That's kind of cool. whatever is in the line of fire of that bullet until it disappears, which is some arbitrary amount of time, uh, is going to die. So that can be handy. While the the bullet is traveling, the man can run to dodge alien fire. The man is out of of bullets when you see the weapon flashing on the screen. The man must then land on top of the weapon to pick it up. Occasionally, you might have bullets left after you have fired off six shots. That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, When the weapon ran out of ammo, the next loaded weapon was placed right where your man was standing, and he automatically picked it up. Keep on shooting. Okay, so you don't actually have bullets left over after you shoot the six bullets they give you. You're just picking up another weapon right away because it happened to appear right where you're standing. That never happened to me in the little bit that I played this game today. Uh, A single menacing spider creeps throughout the maze, and he is kind of creepy, to be honest, ready to bite the man whenever they come in contact. Once the man is bitten, he falls down paralyzed. For a few seconds. And it is kind of cool from a graphics standpoint. It isn't just that you're frozen in place. The guy, your little stick figure guy, literally crumbles up in a heap on the floor uh, until the para- paralysis uh, wears off. When he's down, he cannot fire his weapon or run. He's vulnerable, vulnerable to robot attack. To avoid being bitten, fire off a shot. If it hits the spider, he vanishes, but another quickly appears in the spider's web and begins to crawl around. The robot's fire does not zap the spider. The spider web is a semi protected area. All the maze creatures and the man can enter the web. Sometimes the bullets from the man and the robot will penetrate the web. Sometimes they will not. Well, that's kind of uh, crappy. It's like the game is like oh, maybe you can, maybe you can't. Yeah. Two bats hanging upside down awaken and wing their way through the pathways of the maze. Either can bite the man when they come in contact. The man falls down and is paralyzed. The same as when bitten by a spider. He cannot shoot or move. After you shoot a bat or a bat is hit by robot fire, it is replaced by another. Now when the robot fire or you shoot or your shot hits a bat, a gray robot takes its place. If both bats get hit, you will have three robots and no bats after the man. Okay. The man's most persistent enemy in the maze is the robot. In the course of the game, you will encounter five different types. As your score gets higher, the robot becomes more. robots become more sophisticated. Each new robot has all the characteristics of the previous robot, plus new features. All robots fire at the man. They have unlimited ammunition. Their shots are the same as the man's. Only one bullet shows on the screen at a time. When the man's bullet hits a robot, he explodes. Uh, and he does, really. It's kind of fun. Um, little bits of shrapnel fly out all over the place. At one point, in the field report, Henry thought that I died because of... Getting hit with a robot part, I'm not sure that I did. I think it might have been a bullet. So, five types of robots. The gray robot, which is slow on the attack, patrols the maze at random, shoots only when he sees the man. After 5,000 points, when a bat is shot, the robot takes its place. The blue robot appears after 5,000 points. More determined to track the man wherever he goes, he's hard to lose. The white robot appears after 15,000 points. Uh, appears and aggressively seeks out the man. The white robot's shields protect him from the man's bullets. It takes three bullets to penetrate the shield and blow the robot away. The black robot appears after 30,000 points. Uh, He advances with power. He is capable of firing white energy bolts that absorb the man's bullets on contact. After 50,000 points, this robot shoots yellow energy bolts. These can now crash into the bunker and slowly wear it away. Hmm. Once the bunker is gone, there's no safe place for the man to hide. The invisible robot is in the maze after 80,000 points and is the ultimate aggressor. It is a sneak attack. His bullets are, vi- are his bullets are visible, and that's your only clue about where he is. Scores range from 100 points for killing a spider up to 4,000 points for destroying the invisible robot. Strategy: Place one hand on the disc and the other on the keypad, Okie doke, so that you're ready to move the man or fire bullets at all times. Once an aggressive Robot is after the man, lay in, wait at corners and intersections where when the robot advances, get off a shot and quickly retreat. For the white, black, and invisible robots, none of which I played long enough to see, it is helpful to count your bullets. Try to use your last bullet to blast the robot. This gives you some time to run and pick up the weapon while the next robot enters the maze. Knock off sleeping bats for quick points. And that is how you play Night Stalker from Mattel Electronics, 1982.
0: I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though... I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons, growing up, and every episode a segment about music, music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K, podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way.
1: The game was designed as a top-down maze shooter by Steve Montero, uh, and released in 82, as I mentioned earlier. It was ported to the Atari 2600 as Dark Cavern and released under Mattel's M Network label. Apple II and IBM PC versions were published in 83. It was also made available for the PlayStation 3 through PlayStation Home in fall of 2012 in a collection titled Intellivision Gen 2. In addition to being filled with bats and spiders, it had a greater variety of killer robots along with a variety of maze structures. An updated version of Night Stalker has been announced for release on the Intellivision Amico video game console in 2020, which I guess is already a thing. This article's a little bit older. If anyone has played the updated version on the Amico, let me know. Evidently, according to the blueskyrangers.com, the working title for the game was Attacker, which I kind of like better than Night Stalker. There's nothing in this game that suggests Night Stalker to me. Not necessarily at night. No one's really stalking. I, I mean, I guess kind of you following each other around in a maze. Attacker's not a great title either, but I think I liked it better. Design and program by Steve Montero. Graphics by Peter Allen. Sound by Russ Lieblich. Package illustration by Gerald Richardson. Steve Montero apparently is an expert on robotics. In a development in late 81, the game was a favorite with other programmers. Unfortunately, the first time marketing brought in some 12-year-old kid to try it out, he got further than any of the programmers had. A new tougher robot had to be added to the game, at the cost of losing one of the best features, which was the spider's web, the game was only 4k in size. Originally, as the spider crawled around the maze, it left a web that would slow you down considerably as you ran through it. That's kind of cool. You could shoot the web away, but you'd use up bullets. Without the webs, the spider became like the bats, just a nuisance. After Night Stalker was finished, the game cartridges began getting larger in size, so Steve proposed Miss Night Stalker, or Ms. Night Stalker. A 12K sequel that would include the web and all the other features he had wanted, including multiple weapons, bazookas to blast through walls, multiple scrolling mazes, smarter robots. Marketing shelved the idea, and Steve was assigned to program Space Shuttle instead. Hmm, Coincidentally, which we just did on the show not that long ago. Wait, have we done it yet? Hold on. Nope, sorry, haven't done it yet, but it is on the schedule, coming up soon. Being reassigned to space shuttle may have been a contributing factor towards Steve leaving Mattel in the game industry not long after. This article has a strategy tip from Steve Montero himself. Quote, Another trick to bagging the later, the later robots has to do with there being only one moving object available for the robot bullets. If you wait just above the place where the robot appears and dangle your feet where the, where the robot can see, the robot will shoot below your feet. You can then safely drop down and quickly get off all three shots to nail the robot before his bullet gets all the way across the bottom. Hmm. i have to try that, I guess. It feels to me like you're just walking in front of the robot's bullet, which of course you can do, but it's, your guy moves so slow it's, it's hard to get out of the way. Fun fact, according to Blue Sky Rangers, Russ Lieblich was proud of his sound effects for Night Stalker, especially the constant heartbeat. Whenever he heard someone playing the game, he'd run into their cubicle, grab the volume control on the TV, and turn it up full. Man, I bet they hated that guy. No, but that really sucked. I was gonna say if the guy was wearing headphones, but of course then you wouldn't be able. The yeah, Russ wouldn't have been able to hear it. Kind of like to see that Ms. Night Stalker game. That sounds kind of cool. According to Intellivision, uh, the Intellivision Wiki, the updated Amico version due in the second quarter, which is where we're at right now of 2021, will be similar or is similar to the uh, original, but the game will be two and a half D. The original being two D. I don't think two and a half D is a thing quite honestly. But that's what this wiki says. It'll be modernized, such as featuring improved graphics and sound, and feature multiplayer as well as single player. Again, if anyone plays this, let me know. Okay, so this next article I'm looking at from ScreenRant.com evidently has a link to a video showing what the remake looks like. Okay, there's no actual link, but evidently there is a video out there from Intellivision showing what, what the game looks like on the Amico. I have not watched that video, but I may at some point. NTV Funhouse concludes that the graphics for Night Stalker are decent, and when you get to the tougher robots, you see some interesting stuff. It gets really nasty where they can blast away your safe house. Interesting sound effects, uh, the constant thrump, 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 that heartbeat that uh, Russ Lieblich was so excited about. Uh, Pounding in the background, if you can handle moving with one controller and shooting with the other, you can dispatch your enemies a bit more easily. Wait, hold on, how does that work? I don't know what he's talking about there. Some variations in the maze layout would have been nice. If you can get used to it, try using one controller to run, the other to shoot. You can run and shoot at the same time. Hmm, not sure how that works. I didn't try that. There are a total of 8 Nightstalker box variants, for those of you who are curious about that sort of thing. 13 different manual variants. 6 Nightstalker overlay variants. I don't know which one I have, compared to the others. 9 Nightstalker label variants. So that's all cool. In TV Funhouse, go look at that article. Old School Gamer Magazine did an article about uh, Night Stalker in the 2018, uh, November 17th, 2018 issue. Originally a single-player game, it would be interesting to see how Talerico and the folks at Intellivision Entertainment reimagined the game given that their desires bring back a more communal style of gaming. However, given the success of Talerico's other ventures, like the interact- like the innovative and popular video games live concerts, It's sure to be entertaining. Okay, so I read all this. Okay, that's all interesting. Uh, Night Stalker, remade Night Stalker in 2.5D, which, again, not a thing. You know, possible uh, sequel, Ms. Night Stalker, which I am curious about. I kind of wish that existed. Or if it does exist, I'd like to know. But it still bugged me, the, the title, Night Stalker. Night Stalker, where is that from? Where have I heard that before? Well, here's maybe where I heard it before. Ricardo Richard... Leva Munoz Ramirez was dubbed the Valley Intruder and the Night Stalker because he was charged and convicted of attacking lots and lots of people in the San Gabriel Valley of California, I guess. Wikipedia dubs him an American serial killer, serial serial rapist, kidnapper, child abuser, and burglar. He was convicted in nineteen eighty nine. He was referred to as the Night Stalker, the walk in killer, the valley intruder. Uh, He was married, apparently. Convicted of 13 counts of murder, 5 counts of attempted murder, 11 counts of sexual assault, and 14 counts of burglary. Convicted, uh, sentenced to 19 death sentences. Killed 15 people. Apprehended in 1985. Imprisoned in San Quentin. It looks like, though, maybe he didn't actually die. He wasn't executed. Looks like the cause of death, according to Wikipedia, anyway, is B-cell lymphoma. He had a really crappy childhood. He was heavily influenced, supposedly, by horrible uh, stories by his older cousin, uh, who served in Vietnam, uh, had some other family issues, uh, and then went on a crime spree of his own. The greater Los Angeles area uh, just did a horrible litany of of violent, gruesome murders and assaults, convicted on 13 counts of murder, 5 attempted murders, 11 assaults, 14 burglaries, sentenced to die in the gas chamber, but ultimately died of secondary complications to uh, B-cell lymphoma. He'd also been affected by chronic abuse, uh, substance abuse, and, and hepatitis C. At 53 years old, he'd been on death row for more than 23 years. By some estimates, he would have been in his early 70s before his execution was carried out due to the lengthy appeals process. There was a TV film based on the true story, so maybe I wasn't totally off there. Uh, there was also uh, that was in '89. There was also a 2002 film, uh, 2009 film, 2016 film, featured in the fifth and ninth seasons of the FX horror anthology series American Horror Story, and a documentary in 2020 called Just a Guy. Also, a 2021 documentary on Netflix called Night Stalker: The Hunt for a Serial Killer, featuring first-person interviews, archival footage, newly shot reenactments, and original photography, released to the case, related to the case. Um, That last one, the 2021 documentary, which I have not seen, has gotten a lot of heat because apparently it shows a lot of really graphic stuff that's very upsetting. Oh, and there was also a 1970s TV series called Kolchak the Night Stalker on ABC from 74 to 75, following the wire service reporter Carl Kolchak, who investigates mysterious crimes with unlikely causes, particularly those involving the supernatural or science fiction, including fantastic creatures. The series was preceded by two television movies, The Night Stalker in 72 and The Night Strangler in 73. The series only lasted a single season, but achieved cult status and has remained very popular in syndication. Chris Carter cited Kolchak as a tremendous influence in creating the franchise The X-Files. Following that success in 2005, The X-Files producer Frank Spotnitz resurrected the series with a new cast and characters, as well as subsequent novels and comic books. The series was a ratings bomb, and quickly canceled after only six of the ten episodes produced were aired. That the Kolchak version of Night Stalker sounds a bit more like something you would make a video game out of than the horrible crime spree of uh, Richard Ramirez. So try really hard to think about If you must have some picture in your head of this uh, what's going on in this game, try to picture Kolchak, not so much Ramirez. That's my advice to you. All right, well, after the break, day or night, we stalk a story. It's what we do. All right, Night Stalker, 1982 from Mattel, Uh, the standard title screen, Uh, and here we go. I emerge from my chrysalis, which is kind of what it looks like to me for some reason. Um, very gothic looking, sort of 1960s B-horror movie kind of thing going on. Uh that's right, I can't shoot him, a spider web. We're looking at a blue and black maze, uh, my guy just died, he has to get a new gun I guess every time he dies, you get six bullets. Uh, these weird little comical robots, are the only real threat, deadly threat anyway. Proving it's hard to talk and play at the same time. Um, ah, that was a dumb move. I'm playing on the toughest setting. Setting one was like walking through molasses. I could actually walk away literally from the game and come back and not much had happened. Level two was a little bit faster. This is the fastest level. Um, Which isn't bad unless you're trying to talk and watch a computer while you're playing. but yeah, it kind of, the look of it kind of reminds me of a... Whoa, Seems we have, if you're watching the video, we're having a little bit of a glitch with the screen right now. I'm just gonna keep playing, see so if that stops. I'm guessing this is a cartridge thing, or a console thing. It's kind of cool looking. But I've lost me. Oh, there I am. Oh, I'm out of bullets, that's why. And I'm dead. But game over. Oh, uh, another guy, I guess. For well, those of you listening to the audio, it's sort of weird flashes of yellow smeared all over the screen, and everything's kind of blurry. It's like
0: when you first open like an old TV with like the static. When it's
1: yeah, exactly and the, just in time for the game to end. How long are we at? How long is it
0: Three minutes and 11 seconds.
1: All right. Well, I think you got the idea. Um, I'll talk more about the game, obviously. In the rest of the episode, in the meantime, enjoy your nightmares. Back to you in the studio.
0: Hey, Atari fans. This is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart-by-Cart podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer to the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kira will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com.
1: Hey, let's take a break from you listening to me talk so that you can listen to me talk. Hell's Serial, very short stories fortified with essential syllables, is the new short story collection from, well, me. Every box, or book, is chock-full of bite-sized stories in every genre, from sci-fi to fantasy to literary fiction to cheesy spy stories, and everything in between. Zombies in love, twisted car races, and the aforementioned devilish breakfast food are just some of the tasty bites you'll find. Toy surprises? You bet. How about social commentary and the meaning of life? Beats a Dakota ring any day. With both funny stuff and drama, Hell's Cereal gives you the marshmallows and the toasted oat flakes. Oh, in words. Lots of those, too. Pick up Hell Serial, very short stories fortified with essential syllables, wherever you'd like to get your books. Not Serial. Here's the thing about Night Stalker. Other than the fact that I'm not crazy about the title for this particular game, uh, as far as how it works with this particular game, I do like the game. It moves a little slow, even at the highest speed, it's still kind of slow. You're a little confined with this one maze setup, but I like. Other than that, I like. I, I mean, maze shooters are just fun, right? Very simple, just running around, shooting stuff, trying not to get shot. I I, I like the uh, I like the graphics. I like the little uh, stick figure guy. I like how he, he literally crumples up in a heap and falls on the floor when he gets paralyzed. Little touches like that are fun. I, I kind of wish. It was the game Steve Montero originally envisioned, as opposed to the sort of more limited version, but for what it is, it's kind of fun. Uh, I hope that I get to play Ms. Nightstalker someday. If you guys have thoughts about Nightstalker, let me know.
0: It's story time on the Atari Bytes. Yes, it's story, 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 story time,
1: with Bill. This week's story comes to us from Bad Poetry Corner, and it's titled, Nighty Night, Stalker. Sleep disorders in the millions. What will be tonight's midnight snack? On the move, though the world goes black. Night stalkers don't turn the lights on. Read chapters, then another one. Partner up for a shag? You wish. Night stalkers are grave, not puckish. Lack of sleep brings health and mind loss. Night stalkers roam, insomnia, boss. Odd thoughts rule. Bicycles for fish? <laughs> Hi, this is
0: 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill.
1: And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin MacLeod and CompTech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring, Thanks to Sean Courtney for the story time and Jason Says Stuff themes. Don't forget to stalk on over to Apple Podcasts, day or night. They don't care. They're always open. And leave a five-star review of this show. Not a five-bullet review. Make that very clear. Leave a five-star review. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter. And leave a voicemail. 563-265-1978. About pretty much any damn thing you want and I'll probably play it on the show. Check out the website www because that's how websites work. CarnivalofGleeCreations.com. You're going to find their information about this show, links to episodes, all that for Atari Bytes, the same stuff from my other podcast. It's a podcast Charlie Brown. You're also going to find out information and links for my books, including Hell serial, very short stories fortified with essential syllables all in one place over there on carnivalofleaguecreations.com. Consider supporting the show uh, by helping to keep the lights on here by signing up for our Patreon project, Patreon project over there on the Atari Bytes page on patreon.com, links in the show notes. In addition to helping out the podcast, you can also hang out with these fine folks who have my eternal gratitude. Michael Tyler, Jose Gazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West, Patrick McCarthy, Jeremy L., and Jason Schiffman. All right, we're about out of here, so all that's left is to tell you next time on Atari Bites. Sadly, entire, Intellivision Month comes to an end next week. I say sadly. I know many of you are probably cheering. But we're going out with a bang. Maybe. I've never played it. But we will next week. We're going to play Tron, Deadly Discs. Actually, just watch the movie Tron. Uh, Several months ago for the first time. So now we're going to play the game. If you have thoughts about Tron, the movie, the game, whatever, let me know. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.